0: Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, and thanks for tuning back into another amazing episode here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is George Siegel. And here's a bit about George. George started the documentary film company Move the World Films Incorporated. He wrote, directed, and produced the award winning documentary films The Last House Standing and Licensed to Parent. George began his career in front of the camera as a weathercaster, newscaster, sportscaster, and featured reporter. He worked in markets from Los Angeles to San Francisco, Seattle, Detroit and San Antonio, Texas. In 2001, he formed JEL Productions, a video production company that produces commercials, infomercials, television programs, and documentary films. The company also created their own original programming, which included a Texas travel program and a building and remodeling show. George recently started to Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast, which every week features real people working on real world problems, providing actual solutions. George, his wife, Nancy, and their children live in Tampa, Florida now. So without further ado, please welcome George Siegel to Jumps podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on, Genesis. I appreciate it.
0: My pleasure, George. And before we dive into um, documentary and some of the work that you're doing now, I definitely want the audience to get to know you a little bit better. So there are two options I like to do with my guests, which is one is break the ice or two, play a rapid fire game.
1: Which is more fun. You tell me which is better and I'll go with your choice. I have to choose though, don't I? Yes. Let's do rapid fire
0: amazing here we go now it's rapid fire for a reason so you got to be quick on your toes
1: oh this could be a problem but let's try
0: so question number one if you just you just won the lottery and you could donate to any charity what charity are you donating to
1: i would say uh based on my favorite tv show this is us probably alzheimer's i would donate to to help that it looks like a horrible disease when i see what it does to people
0: number two coffee tea or neither coffee number three dream car
1: it is the audi i think it's the r8 it's their little sports car it's like one hundred and seventy thousand dollars sports car that is just a bit out of my budget
0: <laughs> four if you could recreate any significant moment in your life what would it be and why
1: i would want a high school do-over and yeah. i would want that because i realize now what an idiot i was And if I had a chance to go back and do things differently, I think it could have just paved a whole new road for me. So that would be my my thing.
0: Five, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who are you eating with? My dad. Oh, I love that one. Mine too. Six, what is one piece of advice you wish someone would have told you early on in life?
1: Calm down and enjoy the ride. Don't always be looking ahead. Be in the moment.
0: Seven. Apple or Android?
1: Apple all the way.
0: Eight. You just found out that you want an all-expense vacation getaway, right? Money is no option, but you just found out they're no longer flying back to your home base for whatever reason. So where are you headed?
1: Oh, I have to go there permanently?
0: You may until they start traveling back to your home base, but right now, Italy,
1: Italy, okay. Lake Como
0: nine. If you could be a fly on the wall and eavesdrop on any conversation past or present, whose conversation are you eavesdropping in?
1: Wow. I'd like to be with uh, in the room when JFK was dealing with the Cuban missile crisis. You know, I've seen films on that. And it's, if you think about if you've read anything about it, such an impactful situation, I would like to have known what was really going on there.
0: Amazing. Now 10, this is our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you play, I ask you one last question, George, so here we go. Do you want to pass or play?
1: Well, I'm going to play because I already had you on my show. I know you like a book. So yeah. <laughs> I'll take my chances on the question.
0: Okie dokie. So if you could recreate your wedding day with Nancy, would you change anything?
1: I, I no. it was a pretty perfect day. It was a it was a it was a great day. I, I liked the way it went. I loved it
0: amazing and thank you for playing rapid fire with genesis
1: thank you thank you for playing right
0: so let's segue in to your jam which is definitely documentary films broadcasting entertainment and all of that good stuff so i want you to set the stage here george and tell us outside of you doing all the things that you did in front of the camera what led you to transition and say, you know what? I need to try something on my own.
1: I think in both positions, you don't have a lot of control, but you have less control when you're on camera working for somebody. Now, what I, what I miss about the news industry and, and that job is you get paid every two weeks. So you know you're getting a paycheck and you're not always having to generate in the roles I was in to come up with something that's going to change the world or, or be landbreaking groundbreaking. So, but what I like about being behind the scenes is I don't miss the recognition that comes from being on TV because there's a superficiality to it where people, they think they know you, what you always have to be on because you're someplace and people want to come up and talk to you. They want to know, you know, if you're a weather guy, they want to talk about the weather Um, and I, I'm a very private person in that sense. It's like, you know, I'm always nice to people because that was part of the job. And I I like to think I'm a nice person anyway, but I don't miss that having to be on all the time when you're making a film or doing a project like, like I do now, you're behind the scenes and you're kind of in the weeds and you get to see it differently. It's a lot different when you have to be in front of the camera than when you're behind the camera, I think.
0: Mm, Okay, and whenever you were in front of the camera to now behind the camera, did you ever feel burnout, like because of the fact that you had to be on, and people just expected certain things out of you where you're like, can I just be a human being just like you?
1: Burnt out may not be the word maybe bored. um, Because what I liked about it is you know, being silly, entertaining, having fun. And, you know, I ended up working for a guy who just wanted a scientist in there and I wasn't a, a, a scientist type of guy. Um, So, you know, it's a combination of things. I, I enjoy, I enjoyed that business when I could have fun doing it. The thing I miss about it now though, is the adrenaline you get on a breaking news day, whether it's some kind of disaster or some kind of big news story Um, You really are. That's your moment. The light's on and you have to really go and you have to be on your game. You don't get that in, at least I don't get it in the documentary film world because you, everything's scheduled. There's, you know, obviously rolling to a disaster after it happens isn't scheduled, but the interviews, everything is. So it's just a different mindset altogether.
0: Okay. Fair enough. So it's a different transition and the different mindset. And I like the fact that you mentioned bored versus burnout, because that is a big differentiation there because you can you know, be bored, but not necessarily burnt out, or sometimes people can be both. So do you have any advice for someone that would like to transition from being in front of the camera to behind the camera?
1: There's very few people I know that have made that transition that regret it. Um, most people realize, hey, wow, there really is life after TV news or life after the entertainment field. But the one resounding thing that everybody will say is the money. So if you're going to transition to another career, make sure you can make a living doing it. Because when there's no check, all of a sudden, it's a big deal. When there's no health insurance, all of a sudden, it's a big deal. And when you have a client who doesn't want to pay you, it's a big deal. You know, when you work for a large company, they generally pay you every two weeks. And when you're now responsible for generating that check, It's a completely different dynamic. And I think a lot of times people make a career change out of anger or out of spite. And I always tell people, when you leave that company, they're going to most likely be just fine. And so you may think you're so important and that the job is going to come crashing down if you're not there. In most instances, that does not happen. You know, Every now and then, somebody uh, irreplaceable may cause a ding in an organization. And then sometimes, I don't know if I don't have any particular stories of where they've fallen apart but don't overestimate your value. Um, You know, you don't want to burn a bridge. It's better to keep a job till you find another job. Sometimes people just get mad and they go, I'm out of here. I'll show them. You're really not showing them because they will all be there tomorrow. And you probably will be a discussion for maybe five minutes and then they'll go back to business. So you have to understand your value.
0: Wow. That is very, very true. And just so, so like, Real you hit the nail on the hammer because sometimes people don't realize what their value is they don't know what their self worth is and what they bring to the table, because it's always good to be seen but to be heard, but then how are you adding value to the organization, and how are you allowing the organization to add value back to you what are your morals, what are your core values, and what do you want to get? Because sometimes if you go in there with just having the whiffle method, then that could also always keep you complacent. And for those of you that are like, Genesis, what's the whiffle method? It's what's in it for me versus having like a collaborative mindset. And I think that's something important that we need to be mindful of whenever we are making that leap of faith or that transition. And I always tell people, do your due diligence, do your research before you go jump shift, because sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side.
1: Yeah, and some of the reasons people will make that transition rapidly is they're asked to do things at work that they don't think are in their job scope and they don't want to do that or they're not getting paid enough. You know, when I was young, my dad worked at IBM and he asked for more money and they told him no, they wouldn't give it to him. And he didn't ask for a huge raise. So he left and started his own business. They had to hire 3 people to replace him. So they felt it that he left, but IBM didn't fold. They continued to do business. You know, when when people leave, you need to understand what you're walking away from. And when the next employer calls to check on you, the guy that walked away or the woman who walked away is seen differently than the person who stayed, got another job, and then left. So you got to swallow your pride sometimes, unless there's some really abusive situation going. And that's, that's a whole different story. But in most situations, if you can hang in there and find another job, you're better off.
0: Mm, very, very valid. And then um, whenever you started your business, JEL, when you formed JEL Productions, What was that process like? And then can you tell me what J-E-L stands for?
1: Yes. At the time I had three children, uh, Jeremy, Evan, and Lauren. So I put their initials in the company and then I put the logo inside a camera lens. And, you know, I tried to start a business relevant to what I was doing before. So I was in front of the camera, but I also knew production and how to put things together. So I wanted to be a storyteller. So I tried to find a business where I could take some of my skills and then put it into that. You know, starting a business has its challenges. All of a sudden, you're the one responsible for paying everybody. You're the one that's responsible for payroll taxes. You're the one that has to um, register the business so it's legal and you're not going to have problems with that. Are you going to be a a corporation? Are you going to be a sole proprietor? I mean, there's a million things that people have to figure out. What's fortunate is so many of those things are online now that you can spend a little time Googling have a good understanding and then make sure you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's so you can, um, so you can start your business the right way.
0: Absolutely. And I like the fact that you put your kids initials in there because that also is a way to, you know, uh, signify like the importance of your family, but then some people, you know, they also, Do that so whenever it comes time to you know transition their business and they get out of their business so they can work on their other zone of genius. Then it also sets your children up for success because you're building that generational wealth. So was there a thought out uh, method that you use behind just the name? The name?
1: No, it was just the name. And what's funny is since that I started that business, I had two more children, but their initials fit the business. So I tell them, yeah, you're in there too. Um, But there was no big picture response. And for a production company, it's not like some businesses where you're creating some kind of wealth, unless you have a franchise or some kind of show, you know, some kind of intellectual property. So if they were counting on getting something big out of it, when, when I'm gone, they're going to be disappointed.
0: Okay, let's talk about some challenges because earlier you alluded to some challenges that you face. And I think it's important to spend time highlighting what some of those challenges are because people need to realize that business owners face challenges. They may not always talk about it, but they had to go through those challenges in order to refine their process and get to the level of success that they have now because those challenges were the learning curves, and then you built upon them. Would you agree or disagree there, George?
1: I would absolutely agree. And and you know what, I would say one of the biggest challenges, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, is finding good people when you have a company. It's finding people that have your work ethic or your goals. And when you're a small business, a lot of times you're getting people that may be transitioning from one thing to another, you train them, you spend a little time helping them, and then they go on to something else really quickly. So and and i hear that from people now especially in the construction and the home business and a lot of friends of mine that are in other careers tell me hiring people getting good workers in is is the toughest part and when it, all of a sudden it's your business it really has an effect on you because that person you spend two weeks training how to do sales for you and then they leave and you you have no idea what they were working on for the last month i mean it's it's really can be it You talk about, when I talk about leaving a company can't really cause damage, that's for a big company. Now, if you have a small company and it's your business and you have people that leave, it could literally shut you down. So it's a completely different dynamic that you have to be aware of when you're bringing people in.
0: Yes, because as you bring somebody in to your company, you need to say, okay, is their mission tied to mine? Do they have the core values that my business has? And are they here for the long haul? Because sometimes people come into business as a placeholder, meaning that they're there to ride the wave. But when the next best opportunity comes, they're jumping ship because they're going where the money resides, where the money resides, where the money resides. And companies are not loyal as they used to be back in the baby boomers. So employees don't want to... feel loyal to those companies either. And right now we are in the great resignation. And I'm not sure if that's impacted the area that you're in, George, but if it has, share what some of your takes are.
1: In what sense? Be a little more specific.
0: Okay, so right now we see that a lot of people are starting their own business and they don't necessarily want to work for somebody. So the population pool for employees is starting to dwindle because they don't feel like there's that much value that's being added to them because of like, for example, what we saw in the pandemic, a lot of people were either faced with furlough they were faced to, they were faced with retirement or forced into retirement, even though that they didn't want to go. Um, other people got fired for no cause, but because you know the company wasn't doing good, and you know they value profit over people. And then there are some other tendencies that went into that. So now we see a bunch of employees that are now walking out of the workforce.
1: Yeah, and I think they're going to have a rude awakening unless they have some creative uh, idea or some skill that they think somebody's going to jump on. Um, Because we saw a bunch of things with the pandemic that I thought were fascinating. One, we see the section of the population that said, hey, I'm making more money not working than I am working because the government's sending me money. And that's tough for those people to go get a job when all of a sudden they're making more for, for, for sitting home. Then you have people that were told they could work at home instead of going into an office. Some people are great at that, but other people are easily distracted. All of a sudden, now they can take care of their kids. They don't need a babysitter. They can do all these other things. So the company is getting less of their time unless they have a way to monitor it. So our whole sense of what work is, is is changing. And when you're now the small business owner and you're having to deal with that, I, I think that's even tougher. One of the situations I always ran into when I tried to hire salespeople, people to generate income is when you gave them a draw, as soon as the draw was over and they had to stand on their own, that's usually the time that they left and went somewhere else. And so you really finding good people in anything is tough. I've been very fortunate. I've always found really good videographers, the people that shoot my stuff for me, that, that are great. I've found a very good editors that make the project better. And so the, the most crucial things are, are finding those creative people as a filmmaker or as a production company. But when I look for business partners, the partners I've always had, unfortunately, were a bad match. They were a creative person also. I needed rainmakers. And so think about that when you're putting together a business. If you have the same skill set as the person you're partnering with, who's going to go out there and do the dirty work? Who's going to go out there and bring in the revenue? And that's always been where I've come up short in, in my creative ideas. I think I'm a very creative guy, but I'm not a salesman. And a business, most businesses need somebody to sell it. That's important.
0: Okay. They, yep, that's so true. Because as I'm thinking about it, you definitely want to have diversity of talent, you want to have diversity of thought, and you definitely don't want to have someone that's just like you because you could easily be butting heads because of the power struggle there. So I think that's a very great point to bring up, George. And then also the fact that you mentioned, yeah, I hope you have some, some creative idea or innov- innovation, because as the world keeps on moving, if you're not doing something that stands out in a sea of competitors, then you're easily going to get swallowed up, in my opinion.
1: And I think we're going to see that. I mean, look at inflation right now. Look at, I mean, sure, unemployment is low, but there's a lot of people that just aren't even being counted on the workforce because they've decided not to look for a job. And eventually that runs out. I mean, a lot of retirement uh, accounts are getting wiped out right now by the stock market crashing. So there's so many things that can affect you that people really need to take a good long look at what they're doing or what they're walking away from. And, and really think if that's the right thing to do, because it's not your, sometimes your emotional decision is not the right decision.
0: Yeah. So don't always be swayed by your emotion, but really be strategic and think about it. And I always encourage people to plan, like actually get that paper out and that pen and write down what your, uh, what your next move is where you want to go, where are you right now, where do you want to go, what do you need to do to get there, and just really be strategic, and don't just lead with emotions, but really look at everything, so George, um, with you being in the film industry, have you thought about writing a a script or a movie about some of the things that are, that's currently taking place right now,
1: You know, I have, but it's also that those aren't easy things to do because everybody, I mean, those are ideas that are right in front of us. So everybody has those ideas. And one of the interesting things when you're a a small outfit trying to, to get attention, if you're looking for a bigger partner, like let's say I have a show idea and I want to take it to HGTV or Discovery Channel. And you submit the idea to them. They make you sign something that says, you know, we probably already have this idea and are working on it, but you're welcome to send us your idea. So unless you're prepared to just go with it and start, if you're shopping that idea around, you have to be careful, especially if it's an interesting spin on something that's happening in the world right now. And I also try to find projects that aren't political. So much of what's driving the country right now is politics. Which side are you on? Who do you hate? Who do you like? And I don't like making films that way because I I don't want it to be about my opinion. I want it to be about the story. So I'm, I'm picky about what I want to dive into so I'm not limited by which side I have to take.
0: So are there any current projects that you're working on right now that you could give a teaser on?
1: Well, more stuff with my film, The Last House Standing. I'm trying to do more with that. I have some ideas that I'm putting out there, putting my feelers out. For things we could do with that. And then there's an idea I have about about families and the dynamic of family. But the challenge with both of those things is if you don't get a company that will pay for having you make the film for them, you have to go out and raise the money. So, you know, you can have your iPhone and run around and shoot a bunch of stuff. But it, it, you really need a budget and you need a plan. You're talking about planning for a career, for a business. It's kind of the same thing with a film. Um, you need to see it from the beginning to the end and where you want to go with it, how you want to tell your story, where do you have to go to tell your story. So it, it's good to have the funding for it or at least to have the, some help along the way. And that's not easy to find, especially with how the economy is going right now.
0: So with Last Man Standing, can you tell us, a, well, no, Last House Standing, sorry, so, okay. I don't know why I thought about Last Man Standing, Last House Standing, what are um, some of the things that we could look forward to seeing in that film?
1: Well, the, the premise of it, and the, the, the way that story really unfolds in the film, is that we tend to buy houses or choose where to live without any consequences in mind of, of what could go wrong, without thinking hey, what's going to happen if a hurricane hits? What's going to happen if there's a wildfire or a tornado or an earthquake? We just choose where we want to be and assume everything is going to be okay. And we see every year, every time there's some kind of disaster, that it's not the case. The vulnerable things always get destroyed. Um, The people that can least afford to lose anything tend to lose everything. And it's a recurring story again and again. And, And it's not always about money either. When we went out to Malibu for the film After the Fire... Some people said to me, Yeah, those people are rich. They'll be fine. Losing everything is losing everything. You may have a faster road to recovery if you have money, but you still lost everything and and are starting over in a lot of ways that's very difficult. Now, for a family that didn't have insurance and may have been struggling, it's going to be even worse. So, but it's not, you know, that's not really what the theme is. The, The idea is if we thought in advance, if we were a proactive society instead of a reactive society, we would see a lot less damage. But people don't think that way. And it gets us in trouble all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. So it definitely sounds like a wake-up call to really get you to think about the things that you often overlook, is, if I may say that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's so true. And so I may not be able to stop a, a Category 5 hurricane from completely obliterating my house. But if I did other things, my road to recovery might be quicker. Did I catalog all the items in my house So an insurance company could reimburse me. Did I have an evacuation route so I could get my family safely out of there? Did I have flood insurance? Was I covered for certain types of storms? I mean, there's so many things you can do that really don't take a lot of time, but they can make the difference between never recovering or getting back on the road to recovery. And that's what I encourage people to do. You know, nobody wants on a sunny day. Nobody wants to be doing disaster planning they usually do that right when they look on the radar or the satellite and they go, ah, the storm's three days away, better make your plan too late. You know, nobody wakes up the day of the disaster and makes the game saving decisions that are going to save everything they have. Because if you want flood insurance, it takes 30 days for them to grandfather your policy in. So you're already going to miss the start of hurricane season. If you don't have flood insurance and anybody, the FEMA director Brock long at the time when we made the film, had one of the best lines. He goes, if it rains where you live, your house can flood. And flood insurance is a lot less expensive if you don't live in a flood area. If you live in a flood zone, it's going to cost you more money. That's the, that's the price of living there. But if you live outside the flood zone where you still can flood, flood insurance may only be three or $400 a year. And I know that can be a lot of money to somebody. But sit down and think for a minute, and you'll think about this after you watch the film. What is the cost of not doing it?
0: Absolutely. It just gives you a peace of mind and just um, prepares you for stuff. Kind of like whenever you're buying um, electronics or big ticket items, they ask you, Would you like to get the insurance coverage? Some people say, no. Oh, I don't plan that it's going to break or mess up. But then me, like my dad always bought it and my mom was always one like, oh my gosh, you're just wasting money buying something on that. But now I'm like the same way. I I buy it and whenever you need it, it, it's there. And if you don't use it, it just gives you a peace of mind. So let's segue into our call to action, George. So when our community listens to this, the audience as a whole, what do you want them to walk away with? If they don't remember anything at all, what is that golden nugget?
1: Well, I I think that they listen to a guy who really wants to make things better. And that's, that was the premise of my podcast called tell us how to make it better. And I try to bring that same theme to my films. It's like, okay, here's a problem it's not an art film where I'm showing you the penguins walking across the ice and telling you, if we don't change the world, the penguins are going to die. You sit at home and you go, okay, what am I going to do? I'll, I'll have one less beer. I mean, you don't have a, a solution. In my films, there are solutions to make it better. I'm telling you how we can make it better. And the idea is I, I want you to to do something, doing nothing. Most people, and you know this from your jobs, most people sit around and complain. They don't want to do anything to make it better they just like the echoing of complaining and i'm saying let's there's no place for that let's come up with solutions we could be completely we can completely disagree on the solution but if we talk about it we can find common ground and and fix some problems and that's what needs to be done and if people come away from my stuff thinking like that then I'll, i'll feel pretty good that i've done my job
0: Absolutely, because all it takes is one person's life to touch and you don't know who that person is going to go on and touch and create that ripple effect and that domino effect. So, George, how can our audience connect with you? Plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media.
1: Um, on, on LinkedIn is now becoming one of my new favorites, LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, my Tell Us How to Make It Better is also on Facebook. Um, and I have a number of websites, probably the most common one that people can find all my stuff is at move the world films, which is my film company, move the And from there you can rent my films. You can see the podcasts, and, and listen to them if that's what you're interested in. And it'll kind of direct you to all the different things that I have, uh, have going on. And I just encourage people to go and rent the film off of my website. It only costs $4 to rent it. Um, I think it's $3.99. And if you're saying, George, I don't want to give you $3.99, it's on Tubi, TV. You can watch it for free. Uh, they make you sit through commercials on there. Um, but I don't want you to not watch the film because you don't have the money. And if you have a group or organization that you want to have a screening for, let me know about that. I'm always looking for ways to get the word out about the film. And my other film, Licensed to Parent, we didn't, even, we didn't have time to talk about that today. But as a father of five, you know, I think parenting is the most important job in the world as you're going to find out. But most people have no idea what they're getting into with that. So there's a lot of things that they can consume on movetheworldfilms.org.
0: And thank you so much, George, for just coming on here and just sharing your knowledge with the community and listeners and viewers, all of George's contact information will be in the show notes. For those of you interested in connecting on LinkedIn, his first name is George, G-E-O-R-G-E, last name Siegel. S as in Sarah, I as in Isaac, E as in Edward, G as in Gregory, A as in Alpha, L as in Lima. So that's Siegel, And I will make sure you get connected with him. If you have any questions, make sure you just drop us a a line and we'll be sure to answer those questions. But until next time, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see all things video content by finding us on YouTube, gems with genesis and mars camp and lastly but not least thank each one of you for tuning in on a consistent basis to support the mission of gems which is to educate inspire and motivate while we intersect the dots for diversity equity inclusion and belonging because it takes all of us coming together to make this world a better place so until then peace love and lots of blessings have yourself an amazing one